Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 194. It's a week two at the training camp and so it's my weekly review of training camp news and training camp blurbs. We've got uh, preseason games that are just around the corner. So pretty exciting. Two weeks into training camp, we did see our first, quote, live action during the Hall of Fame game between Jacksonville and Las Vegas. Not much to see there. But by this time next week, we'll not only have a third week of training camp reports, every team will have also played a preseason game. And so that means by next week, we won't have just to rely on what all the beat beat reporters say, relying on their eyes. We're going to get to trust our own eyes after watching preseason games. And I can't wait to watch every play of every preseason game uh, next weekend. That's something that I do every preseason. Until then, I just have to rely on the stories from the beat writers and interviews with coaches and players and try to decipher the fact from the fiction. And so in this podcast, I will talk about some of the players that were hyped up in training camp this last week and let you know whether I believe the hype or not. I've got 10 of them for for you here, kind of really 11 because I tricked, put two of them together. But first, let's talk about the hype building around Daniel Jones. Jones and the entire giant offense have been applauded by reporters. It's hard to know if it's just, you know, beat writers getting excited to see anything other than the terrible stuff that they've had to see with the last two years, the two terrible coaching staffs. Um, but I don't know. Either way, they're excited. Uh, last week, I, I talked about Rondell, uh, Wondell Robinson's training camp buzz. But this week, Jones, Kenny Galladay, um, and Darius, uh, Kadarius Tony also received kind of a steady drum beat of praise this week. I'm buying the hype on all the Giants and on Jones. I already wrote about, talked about how I, you know, traded a 2023 first round pick for Daniels in a super flex league at the end of last season. So it may be that I'm literally, literally just trying to wish for the best. That's possible. That gets into our psyche for sure. But still, I just think the Giants are going to turn things around this year and Jones is going to benefit greatly. The Giants have drafted well over the last two years. They've built a better offensive line and defense. I think that they're going to improve immensely with the new coaching staff and management and Jones is going to be an every week starter in Superflex leagues this season, I think. And I think he'll earn a long-term contract with the team, making him a longer-term dynasty asset um, on our teams, particularly those Superflex teams where Jones, I believe, will become a more startable player. Next, we'll talk Jacksonville running backs. James Robinson and Travis Etienne both received heart hype. It's really hard to believe that Robinson is not on the pup list right now, and he's reportedly ready to start the season healthy. Uh, coaches and beat writers have indicated that he's going to be the starting running back for the Jaguars. Uh, this season will be, you know, kind of the biggest experiment when it comes to Achilles injuries. You know, as Robinson, Cam Akers, Marlon Max, and Deontay Foreman all get the opportunity to prove that running backs can indeed become, you know, recover from what used to be just kind of a career-ending injury, uh, really for everyone, especially for running backs. I really find it hard to believe that Robinson's going to return to be the starter ahead of Travis Etienne who's, you know, has far more draft capital and had far more collegiate production. But Etienne's recovering, too, from his Liz Frank injury, what I might consider to be the second worst injury for a running back. Uh, He, too, though, has received praise from coaches and training camp. You know, reporters are writing that he's going to be the starter. So we've got both talking out of both sides of their mouth here. I'm far more confident that Etienne, you know, has recovered fully from his injury than I would be in Robinson. But I'm not optimistic, honestly, that 
that he's really going to relegate Robinson to a true backup. Uh, training camp reports actually caused me to believe that they're both going to be used, involved a lot in the offense, and could actually hurt each other's dynasty or fantasy production, we could say, at least this year. In the case of the Jaguars running backs, you know, I kind of want to wait and see. You know, we didn't see any of them in this, this week's preseason game. And in the other ones, I kind of want to see how they look. And if Robinson really does look like he's fully back, man, that's going to be hard to know what to do with these two. Uh, I think both will be productive. They're, they're kind of like the Giants. Their whole offense is going to get turned around by having a sane, all you needed was a sane uh, coaching staff in Jacksonville. And I think that Peterson's going to turn that team around from an offensive perspective. Third player that's been getting a lot of hype, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I think J.J. Zacharyson was the first player or first analyst that I heard talk about him as a deep sleeper in value. Now all the beat writers are, are hyping him up too. And if i got to be real honest, when I'm honest, uh, Pacheco was entirely off my radar, uh, not even in my rookie rankings because he was a seventh-round pick and, and had a pretty unproductive career at Rutgers. Uh, with the first and second-round picks ahead of him in the depth chart with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first round, Ronald Jones, second round. Um, I mean, the Chiefs are, I don't know, uh, re- re-signing. Yeah, they also re-signed their playoff um, star that Jarek McKinnon just burst on the scene at the very, very end of the season into the playoffs. And I, just given all those players, I just don't think that Pacheco's going to see time with the Chiefs or this season, really, or beyond. Uh, he's the type of player that people like to take a chance on and because it gives them a lot of joy if they find that true gem, like the gem, gem, gem of the deepest you know players that you grab off the waiver wire. Um, I get wanting to take a chance and have that joy of you know doing it, but I'm actually just not buying into the Pacheco hype. In my leagues, other managers are not either because he's on the waiver wire and people haven't been getting him even though the hype has been building. I've yet to see him added to a roster other than really deep leagues where he was drafted like in the final round. I've seen that where he's been drafted in rookie drafts in the final, lane, final spot. It's a fun story to report on, though. Um, the reporters are doing it, and so I think that's all to see here. And if I'm wrong, uh, I will regret it. I'm picking up some a couple other players off the waiver wire instead of Pacheco. Next is uh, big-time player Elijah Moore. No surprise that Moore is scoring touchdowns and making big play after big play in training camp. Uh, he's already done it in the NFL when he just broke out for those 18, 24, and 29 fantasy point games during his pretty injury-plagued uh, rookie season. If he stays healthy and his second-year quarterback, Zach Wilson, can improve even just a little bit, I think Moore and his dynasty value is really going to soar this season, although it's already pretty darn high as it is. The only thing holding, holding Moore's value back right now is the presence of this year's first-round draft pick in Garrett Wilson. I think it's going to take about half the season to know which of these two is the wide receiver one versus the wide receiver two. I could see it going either, any, either way. And then, you know, if someone does, you know, we do know that, it's going to make them a little bit split in their difference. But I kind of feel like these two guys uh, really could do something similar to where T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are. Right now, they're both ranked in my top 10. And so it doesn't matter to me that they're both on the same team. I think Moore and Garrett can actually do something pretty similar. Right now, I've got Moore ranked 19, Garrett ranked 17 in my wide receiver rankings, but we'll see. They're going to battle it out from here and see if they're kind of a one-two punch or if one of them rises above the rest. The most difficult part, though, however, that makes me think that they can't top in the top 12 like the Cincinnati receivers have done is that they don't have Joe Burrow. <laughs> they have Zach Wilson. And so until Wilson can prove that he can unlock their value, I think it's going to be hard to see them you know, rise into that top 12. Still, both are very solid wide receivers, too. Uh, even if their media, quarterback play is mediocre, the only thing I want to discover this season is who should be ranked ahead of the other right now. Like I said, I've just got them two spots apart, 19th and 17th. Maybe we'll learn something a little bit more as these preseason games get going. 
Next receiver that I'll mention, uh, got some hype this week, is Nico Collins. This week, Collins has been effective in the red zone, and he's beat a lot of man-on-man coverage on the reg, as they say. And Davis Mills has also developed this offseason. He's finally going to get a chance to get all the offseason reps uh, now that he really is the unquestioned starter for this season. Uh, Collins played, you know, week week one as a rookie. He, he, you know, he played already starting out, and Mills started in week two, so both kind of had modest starts to their rookie years, you know, but they really lacked the, you know, reps to really make a giant leap, and now they think that they can. The Texans didn't add free agents um, to challenge Collins for play, playing time, and sadly, uh, John Mechie, the receiver that they drafted in the second round, was ruled out uh, for the season with his, as he battles leukemia, so that means really, I believe Collins is really the clear number two receiver behind Brandon Cook's and every chance, you know, that they get, it's going to be one of the two of them, I think, from the receiver position at least. I only have Collins in one league, uh, but I'm going to look to trade for him and some others this week. He was, you know, very, very, he had a very, very unproductive college career at Michigan, but he was a five-star recruit. So I like taking bets on players that had that kind of, you know, pedigree going into college and see if maybe they can just kind of unlock it somehow in the NFL. A little less of a valued pick, an undrafted free agent that I'll talk about is Ashton Doolin. Doolin's the player that I picked up the most uh, this preseason uh, during this whole training camp hype that's been happening around him. Uh, he was a player that I carried at the back end of my rosters at the end of last season, but I dropped him actually from my most of my rosters after um, the rookie dra- after rookie drafts and leading up to training camps, pr- primarily because the Colts added Alec Pierce in the NFL draft, and the Colts upgraded um, at quarterback this offseason by adding Matt Ryan too. They've yet to re-sign T.Y. Hilton, though, and so the wide receiver two and three spots, I think, are really, you know, pretty open right now as to who's going to compete with um, for those spots. Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce, you know, probably have the, the edge just because they are, they have the second-round draft capital, each of them, and so they definitely have the edge, but the Colts, you know, they've got every reason to try to make them work, but Doolin is just athletic enough to beat them out. He's already played more snaps than Campbell since joining the team. And he's earned the praise of coaching staff the last two weeks. And I think he really could become a starting wide receiver in three receiver sets, which would would be really great. Uh, Campbell always gets hurt. So if Campbell gets hurt, he's certainly going to be the next guy in. And Pierce, you know, we're not sure yet if he's NFL ready or if he's kind of just singled out as kind of a red zone type of threat, which I think is something that he can do. But I'm not sure if he's better than Doolin, you know, and doing everything that the receiver is supposed to do uh, on that team. So he's a player I'm going to hold on to until I see some preseason games. Definitely at the back end of my roster where I might have to make some cuts, but I picked him up in several leagues off the wire uh, this week. Another player that I picked up off the wire after some hype was building uh, was Kyle Phillips. Um, in his first training camp after being drafted in the fifth, fifth round, Phillips is already getting reps in the slot with the first team. Uh, this is a welcome surprise for dynasty managers who drafted Phillips late, late, late in their rookie drafts, hoping that he really would become the next Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. It's definitely too easy to compare other white, small, built um, you know, crafty slot receivers, but that's precisely, um, you know, what the, what I thought of him, you know, when I had him ranked in the rookie rankings. And uh, I just thought that he could be a player um, in the NFL, really suited suited for a specific role in the slot. Lance Zerline actually project, projected him to be a sixth or seventh round talent, but the Titans selected him in the fifth round. I think they reached up to get him just because they have a specific role in mind, and he's already living up to their hopes in training camps. Titans have, you know, entirely revamped passing game pretty wild to think about this our whole game being revamped now they've got different starters from last year Traylon Burks Robert Woods Austin Hooper and now I believe Kyle Phillips if he can enroll ahead of Nick uh, Nick Westbrook Aquina 
I picked Philip up off the waiver wire, like I said, in one league, and then in one rookie auction, I drafted him for just $16 at a rookie draft auction. Um, if he you know, landed with a more pass-heavy team, I think I would have had him much higher than 41st in my rookie rankings, which is where I had him um, in May and June. Um, but now that he's starting to move back up, he's a player that I would move up in my rankings if I still had a rookie draft to go. Even though I did wish he was on a more pass-heavy team, I think he could do like a great role you know, like like happened in New England with, with Wes Wilker and Julian Edelman. Really could do that. But with Tennessee, I kind of got to taper that just a bit. But still, a player that I was willing to pick up, uh, particularly in PPR leagues, just to see if he can become that kind of PPR hog. One more receiver before we get to tight ends. Some buzz was building this week on K.J. Osborne. Uh, he's played very well in training camp. And they say that he's solidified his role as so wide receiver three for the Vikings. Uh, he just hired a more offensively-minded head coach, who really tends to spread the ball around. It's, we think that that's really going to benefit Osborne. Uh, he's definitely more intriguing from a dynasty perspective now that he has a chance to really grow into the wide receiver two role behind Justin Jefferson as Adam Thielen maybe ages out and becomes more and more likely to get injured, as has been the case the last few years. Osborne's one of the players that I've actually tried the hardest to trade for this offseason, but I've just not been able to buy him. Um, I, think, I thought that dynasty managers might not be as hopeful for his long-term value as I had become, but I was proven wrong by some of these trades that I made. I was just making, you know, pretty pretty even player player trades, so I thought. But other managers value him uh, much more than I do, it, it seems, already. Uh, during these training camp reports, have definitely caused his stock to rise even higher. I wanted to buy Osborne before there was hype, hoping some managers were unaware of his value with the new coaching staff that his, you know, play would increase. But now that, now that the cat's out of the bag, uh, people are pricing him uh, more effectively. I wish I had him on a roster don't right now, but I don't feel like I'm willing to pay for his price at this new price that he has. Next player receiving hype was Adam Troutman. Uh, Troutman has been targeted often, and they say deep downfield and in the red zone uh, at Saints training camp. It's no surprise to me, as I've held on to Troutman in the back of my rosters in many leagues, just waiting for him to develop on a dynasty, you know, waiting him to develop really as a dynasty manager ought to do with tight ends. It's his third year, and he's already ready for that breakout that the Saint reporters are writing about. Uh, the Saints signed Chris Herndon this week, but that doesn't concern me at all. Uh, Troutman is a starting tight end for the Saints, and he'll get 75 to 80 percent of the snaps. I looked this up and couldn't believe that he received 71 percent of the snaps last year, so he was already getting pretty high snaps. But his impact was limited from a dynasty perspective, just because of the terrible quarterback play. So after Jamison Winston, you know, who was injured, and that hurt him. If Winston's back, and it's not, you know, Taysom Hill, who was just kind of Sean Payton's toy that was like messing around with everybody. I don't think Taysom Hill is really a threat to challenge him at the tight end position, particularly now that Sean Payton has left. Uh, contrary to what some analysts and dynasty managers believe, I think Hill poses no threat to him. Uh, Winston's, you know, historically targets the tight ends often, and if Winston can avoid injury this year, I'm certain that Troutman will get, you know, maybe 80 to 100 targets, which would be 50 percent more than he did last last season. I think Troutman's breakout is ready to go this season. Last tight end and last player I mentioned getting a little bit of hype, although this practice, you know, he's uh, returned to the practice field just now starting to get hype as Greg Dulcich. Dulcich did return to the practice field this week after dealing with some mild hamstring injury. Uh, even though he's yet to really fully practice, he's receiving buzz this week as, you know, a player coach, you know, as a player that coaches say is going to be more involved in the red zone, particularly after Tim Patrick was injured. Uh, coaches were saying that they feel like Tim Patrick's injury means that Dulcich needs to be more involved in the passing game, so I'm not going to be surprised at all if we see Albert Okwe Nubo. I'll just say Albert O. 
uh, um, and Albert O and Tim Patrick are on the field. I mean, and uh, Dulcich are on the field at the same time. Dulcich was my second-ranked tight end in this class, and I really had him ranked 25th in the in the class overall, which is a little bit higher than most people had him. Um, I think you know he's a player because of that that I've drafted on three of my teams. So three of my nine teams now have Dulcich. Uh, because I just drafted him in another draft that came up uh, just this last week. Um, I'm pretty high on him. I think Dolchitz can play a pretty unique role in Denver's offense this season and replace Albert O ultimately as a starter by the end of the season. But like most rookie tight ends, you know, dynasty managers need to wait on Dulcich, but I think he's going to be worth the wait, someone that you really need to be patient with and see uh, how he develops because I think he'll develop a little bit faster than most. Get some opportunities, be blocked a little bit, but from a dynasty perspective, I love Dulcich to be the long-term tight end that Russell Wilson will be happy to throw the ball to. There we go. That's a wrap for week number two in the preseason. Preseason games haven't started, but they will all start back up this next week. So this is one of the most fun times to be a dynasty freak. Hope you stay involved, stay connected. Make it a two-way conversation by contacting me anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than on Twitter, so contact me that way. Again, I'd say I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and help me, the little independent podcaster, trying to do things from a dynasty perspective. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Have some fun and go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.